Worship Fertilizer, the what you need to grow in worship. It's brought to you by AdLib Music, who, in simple love and pure devotion to Jesus, is eradicating isolation and burnout so that leaders bear much fruit. Find out more at adlibmusic.com. Be a part of this podcast by submitting your questions and comments to podcast at adlibmusic.com. Here's your worship fertilizer. We're up in the village in the, in the mountains of Cyprus. Um, and we're all called with the same life part of our vision uh, for, um, for mis- like missional focus in our hearts for Israel and the nations. And we're positioned in that hot spot of the earth just off the coast of Israel, 45-minute flight from Israel. Um, so our coastline faces Israel and Syria, and you know it's it's, it's everything in the news right now. And 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 even when things are not in the news, it's still a hot spot because there's so much that's going on in that region um, that's not in the news. Uh, but God's given us a privilege as a community to be called to be available to the Lord. Um, my wife, we've been married 11 years, and we were living in Maryland before. They've been missionaries for 35 years as a as a Jew. They started. They have 12, um, 12, eight kids. Um, they've been traveling as a family in Turkey and Greece and Cyprus and UK and, and back in the US for a season in the 90s. And then the Lord spoke to them again to, to go back out to that region uh, and highlighted Cyprus. And the only mandate the Lord gave them back in um, 99 was to go to Cyprus. They had lived there years ago. To go to Cyprus and set up and establish a daily altar of worship and prayer. And that sounds really cool. Look, read real well in a brochure. But that means da- getting up daily and having and, and expecting an encounter with the Lord and just worshiping. And no agenda other than that. So this family faithfully went, uh, you know, with their, all their kids and a couple of couple of young girls that were connected to them for many years and they had kind of like rescued years before. And lived on this island and just faithfully began to meet together every single morning. And the worship sessions were without any agenda, no message or preaching. If something came up prophetically or an exhortation, it would be like part of their work, you know, that worship expression. And uh, out of that came a missional community that were, you know, we started a discipleship school. I, was, uh, I left everything here to go in 2000, to join them in 2000 for the first discipleship school. And, um, and since then, we've been part of this community, a privilege to be there. Um, and now we, all of us have, we love worship, we love this arena of worship where this would be like a platform for us for like another four hours of just continued, you know, and there's no, we don't have, we're not leading worship at a church, a church setting or Sunday setting where, you know, there are things to be, um, to steward, you know, and, and things like that, we just have freedom. And um, so we, we live with, meet together for worship six hours, I mean six hours, six days a week, Monday through Friday in the mornings. Um, and then Saturday nights and Sundays are a free day that we spend with the family. And uh, when the school's in session, our discipleship school, we, the students go hiking or do some team building stuff Sunday morning. Um, but the more that we're there, God has is, God is, like, given us a heart for the nations and things that we just say. It's not, you know, being, being out of missions, we don't have any cliche statements. You know, it's hard to say something and not mean it because your life could depend on it. Um, and so when we say we're called to the nations there, well, my wife's uh, older sister, she had a, she had a desire for France and the Francophone nations for many years, ever since she was a teenager. So she learned the language. And when we started to meet daily in worship, the Lord started to impress on our heart more for a focus of intercession for the Francophone nations all over Europe and North Africa. And so Tuesdays, every Tuesday would be worship in French. And we learned worship songs in French. French, oy vey, you know, it was... <laughs> 
and then praying for na nations that you know nothing about, you know, you're just not totally disconnected. Um, and I, and uh, but then as a community, as we spend seasons together cultivating this atmosphere of worship and prayer, we we realize that we position ourselves, but God brings the increase. You know, scriptures say, "Ask of me, and I'll give you nations as your inheritance." And it actually, he actually means that ask him and he will give us the inheritance, meaning you feel the ownership of something that is not yours, but it is about to become yours. Um, and there's a rightful, you know, access for you. And so years of praying faithfully on Tuesday mornings led to Rebecca and her husband and a small team uh, faithfully going out and establishing a base, um, a similar community base in Geneva. Um, and then on Thursdays, we have several German families in our community and uh, with a lot of history in Germany years before and taking mission teams and ministry teams out there. So we started praying for Germany and German-speaking nations. Worship in Germany. Thought worship in French was tough. <laughs> like, <"Oy." laughs> and so, and then again, we, we love, I mean, when we speak of, when, now when we speak of some of these nations, we just feel the burden of the Lord in such a real way. And all of us, there's an endearing Desire for the ways. Uh, so there's a there's a small community again, a family and several young adults sent out. Um, and there's a little town of Herrenhut, Germany. There's a lot of history there. Um, it's amazing. So, and then there's a, a ministry based in Spokane, and hopefully one in Israel next year. We have some a few people, Sarah's parents and her another sibling. Sarah and I feel there's something towards India and, and the the expression of like mercy ministries and compassion related stuff in India in the near future. So next month we're going as a family, uh, us and our four kids, and in October and in November we are, all of our staff from these different bases are coming together just to pray and, to, and ask the Lord, spend a month in India really asking God, what is it, is there something here for us? Not is there, what is it for us in this nation? Um, so that's a, a glimpse into who we are ministry-wise. We live in community, we love each other in a very uh, uncomfortably real way. Uh, and we can't have, we don't have the privilege of bad days, bad hair, I, I can't have a bad hair day. <laughs> I think it's permanently a bad hair day. Uh, life, <laughs> praise the Lord. Um, and we are committed to each other in a very real way. And there's like three communities historically that we're, we, we feel an affinity for. And we're like, God, oh, what, what do they have? We want some of that, you know, and what does it mean to be like that today and live authentic, you know, uh, community life? One is a, the first biblical community in, in the Acts and how they lived, and another one is a Moravian community out of which came the modern missional movement and from Compton's and Robert's, the Heronwood connection. And then the Celtic movement from, uh, from Ireland and, and Scotland and asking the Lord God, we want, we want what they had. You know, and they, we, we visited one of the monastic communities this, in May on outreach, and it's called Holy Island off the north coast of England. It's a small island, and... The monks used to, missional, small community, missional monks used to live on this island. And now there's a road, but before it was just, a, 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 you know, sand. And uh, it's an island, so there's water that would cover uh, every day, 12-hour, 12-hour shifts. There was high tide and low tide. So when it was high tide, before it was high tide, they would cross by foot, like trudging through the, the sand and, you know, clay and stuff, and get, get onto the island. And when the water would cover, cover the pathway, they couldn't get out. And so that was their time to seclude and, and be with the Lord and say, God, here we are. And just be in a community seeking, you know, that monastic expression to seek the Lord, you know. And then when, the high, when it was low tide, it was their time commissioning to, to go out. That was a daily, they call it the tidal um, rhythm of their life. 
and when it was high tide, they would seclude, and when it was low tide, it was a time to go out. And they are the ones who carried the gospel first to England and out through that region. And it's amazing. We want, we want to, we've got, we are, as a community, we're living and saying, God, we want something that's authentic, something that's real. We're not famous. I'm surprised you all showed us. Dave's famous. When, you know, we're talking about this event, and then I saw the, the advertisements and reg, free registration on that, what's that site called? Um, yeah, that's right. Sarah and I are like, oh, my word, does Dave know that we're not famous? This is a ticket. Ticket in. Got a ticket You know you're not famous when the ticket costs nothing. (laughs) (laughs) So glad you came. (laughs) So that's kind of like a picture of our heart and really genuinely asking the Lord God, give us a desire for the nations. Um, And we feel we're coming to us, we're not coming to, we're in the time. We used to have the privilege of, the luxury of saying, the last days are coming, the end days are coming, and those kinds of things. We're coming to the last days. It was comfortable, cool to say that. We're smack in the middle of the last days that the scriptures talk about. We are, there's so many signs. If, you know, if you go through the sign, the other day I was doing some design work, and I wanted to take a take a brain break, and I, and I had a, a thought. I'm like, oh, I wonder what. So I got a map. I was thinking of the, the Syria crisis and everything. I grew up in Dubai, so that area is like really close to our hearts. And uh, so I got an outline of the Middle East, and I began to highlight in red the nation, the the Islamic nations, particularly that have gone through a shaking since, especially since Kuwait. Um, And it just began to dot. The whole map was turning red. I'm like, I remember asking the Lord, having grown up in um, in a Muslim country, and just the stronghold that it is, not just there, but any Muslim expression. The earth, uh, there's this unifying stronghold. I'm like, God, how, how on earth? They're, they would die for each other, even if they don't know from different, one nation to another. How on earth? How will you perform your your shaking in you know in the Middle East? The gospel has gone out from the region to the ends of the earth, and it's coming back. And the sign of it coming back to Israel is that force and that shaking, so the gospel can penetrate to the Islamic nations before it reaches back to Israel. And we're in that time of shaking. Um, and things are happening. These nations that were a stronghold in and of themselves and together collectively are imploding. Mm-hmm. And you're, you know, I don't need to get into the details. And just, just amazing that we're witnessing these things. There are prophetic signs with the Jewish people and all those kinds of things. Uh, it's amazing to, the, to be living in this time and being... Mm-hmm. And so we are as a community, we're like, here we are, God. What, you know, what are the things you want us to be... Uh, touching, praying, and all those kinds of things. We're, we, we're given to intercession and prayer. And say, so if that's what we're called to do, that's what we're going to do. And we're going to worship our hearts out and, and be here and be available to you. But God's beginning to release like missions and different things you know, uh, to our hearts. So that's a glimpse. We have a small property that we grow uh, olives and um, uh, we have a small vineyard. We harvest uh, grapes in the fall. I'm going to miss it this year. In September, we're harvesting grapes. In December, we harvest olives and make wine and make, um, make, make olive oil and start making honey. Good olive oil. Good olive oil, too. Um, and we've had some tremendous... We've seen, actually... Oh, yeah. So, uh, so I, I love the community that we live in. If, you, if, you're, if you're journeying to that side of the world, Dave has our info. You're welcome to come and visit and get a pit stop to wherever you're going or just come and visit. Um, visit us. Is that a free ticket, too? That's a free ticket, yes. Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> Once you get there. <laughs> Um, 
in with worship, just coming back to like the common ground that we all share with worship, it's you know there's there's so many there's so many patterns that we can we can adapt and that's that works for our church and congregations. And there I have a, I have you know there's also there's so many so many social and cultural norms and boundaries and limitations that we can set in order that people can identify, connect, you know. But if you have a radical heart, that needs to be set up front and then everyone else follow. That's where every battle, every kingdom that ever fought a war had a radical leader. And they followed the leader. They didn't follow patterns, you know, of, of wars behind or wars past. They followed somebody who was like brazen, had like just nuts, crazy people. It's almost psycho, you know. That's the kind of leaders that led an army to battle and to victory. Uh, and in the, in the arena of like churches and church groups, if you have the, if you have the luxury of, 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 of setting a culture... Let it be without restraint, you know. Uh, and this is how biblical culture was. They worshiped the Lord. Uh, and we read so fondly of David's tabernacle. Wow, you know, you're going to raise up your ta- his tabernacle. We'd be highly offended by David's tabernacle <laughs> today, you know, and loud, you know, how many are thousands of cymbal, cymbal players? <laughs> I'm a drummer, I love him. Uh, you know, there was no, you know, he was the one because of the radical expression that was in his heart. He set that up. He didn't have a pattern for that before. You know, and, and he didn't have a, uh, this is how, this is going to keep the people. That was not his driving, driving theme or theology. Like, what can I, what is going to draw the people? What is going to keep the people's attention? What is going to keep them here? You know, even with preaching, I love to preach. I promised, I told him I'm not going to preach tonight. Um, But, you know, there's like, okay, you know, people have their social norms, people's attention spans, 30 minutes. But if you're preaching the fire of God, you can keep people because it's not you or your style, your form or anything. You're preaching the word of God. Are you kidding me? Your attention span is going to dictate how the word of God is preached. I love, I was in a, in, Allentown, Pennsylvania, last year, the last few years, a dear friend of mine, uh, Nelson, his church, young Hispanic Pentecostal. I preached for, I preached happy for two hours. <laughs> they were just, I mean, wow, responding to the word and, and just went on and on. Attention span, nothing. It's all like perceptives in our mind. And for worship as well, there are no boundaries. God is infinite. He's infinite, always was, always is, always will be. He set up the the arena of time and space, not so that we would have rigid framework. Time was given to us so that we would know when it is to have an encounter with God. But we've taken on as, okay, that's our culture, we're time-oriented, nothing. He gave us time in order. He gave us, when in creation, he gave us, you know, he created, he separated, you know, darkness and light, sun and you know, day and night. That was the first expression of God on the earth was given us the idea and the concept of time. And at the end of that creation account, he stepped into Shabbat. He stepped into Sabbath. And he said, here I will be waiting week after week. Just so we would have a framework of when that there is an appointed time of meeting with God. So the, 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 you know, the grid that we have, time and space, is only that we would have some framework of like, when do we meet with the Lord? And when we meet with God, He's still in our time frame. He exists without time. One thought that just 
fries, brain fry. <laughs> Just last week I had fried goat brain for breakfast. <laughs> Such a human. Wow. Brain, speaking of brain fry. <laughs> yes, I said breakfast. <laughs> I, when, we, when I think about the idea that God was never created, he was never formed, he always existed. And my mind's instantly thinking, but when was how when? Uh-uh. He always was, and that's going to be his um, his being till the end. And we think of God as being the uncreated being. You know, my, my pastor from Life Center, Charles, always talks about the uncreated love of God. He's the only uncreated being. But we are going to have the privilege of participating in the uncreated nature of God by living with Him forever. Mm-hmm. It's a fascinating thought that we that not only He is made in that uncreated nature, He's made us in His image and in His likeness, and we are going to participate not by not never being created, but by living forever with Him. Mm-hmm. We join into that eternal way of living. <laughs> I love it. Um, so time and space, so the you know, expression, I'm trying to think, how did I get there? Time and space, and you know, our opportunity worship, all of us have you know, risk, uh, you know, given the, the ability to steward. And God loves business. You know, when he gave the talents, he wanted you to make, do business and increase, bring the increase, position it so that there would be an increase. Um, Buy low, sell high, I think was God's idea. <laughs> That's why Jewish people love it so much. <laughs> um, and he's, he's given us freedom and corporate gatherings, you know, and to steward, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to put it into a, uh, into a format that so you can, the people can come? David did something so wild and, and just out of his skin. It wasn't about the people, day and night. I'm sure a few grandmas had a problem with that. A few old people had a problem with it. A few young people could not sleep. Babies would be awake at night. You know, we think about, oh, it's so awesome. I want to recreate the tabernacle of David. It wasn't contained within the walls where no one else, you know, padded. It was just ah, thousands of people worshiping day and night and night that came from one man's relentless desire for God. And for us as worship leaders, worship people, the one thing that there's a, that we have affinity for, uh, you know, other than Jesus, is David, right? You can say, oh man, something about him. You know, he's a fantastic songwriter and a musician and, and the whole the mystical notion of man after God's own heart. You know, what does that mean? I want to be that. You know, that we, there's a, there's a, I know there's a common thread among, among musicians. I love it. There's been something I've meditated on for many years. Uh, but this, this radical expression comes from his heart. It wasn't a pattern. So I want to encourage you guys, if you have stewardship in worship, just let it out. You know? However, what is it going to cost you? Uh, creating an atmosphere for the Lord is what we want. I want to be in that, that talk between the pastor and the worship leader. <laughs> I mean, these are things to dialogue and say, God, what is it, you know? And, uh, how can we have an expression? Um, and for, in, in, when we gather in our, in our community, when we gather, there's no, we do have time, time, res, like time 
you know, things scheduled throughout the day with school, and teachers come from different parts of the world to teach for a whole week. 8 to 10.30 is kind of like our worship grid, and then, so it's not a fourth, it's like two, two and a half hour time, and sometimes the Lord, like at the end of, we feel like we've reached that crescendo, and we begin to just linger there, and it's just amazing, the Lord begins to release intercession, and just prophetic, you know, prayers and things like that, and, and that's where it begins. But we found an end, because it just, there was swelling, and you're like, oh, you know, I feel where we pause right now. As I was, I was laughing. I looked, I looked over David. I just feel in my heart that just the door to God just opened up. Mm-hmm. But we feel in, in the culture that we've created, we feel we've come arrived. You know, but that's just that's just we've just come. And uh, so even in even in like small gatherings, if you have you know uh, the opportunity to gather in your living room and just begin to worship and pray and ask the Lord God, release songs, release melodies, release, just release us, you know, just freely, without any, any restraint. Um, you know, one of the things I, I want to I encourage us tonight, speaking of time and space, <laughs> I got about nine minutes. I intend to take all 30 of it. Um, you know, one of the things that I feel marked, David, I, I, you know, I, I love to meditate on the Word of God, you know, and, and to think about themes of God. And scripture say my heart overflows with a good theme. I'm not a theologian, but I think if I didn't marry a beautiful girl, I probably would be a, a monastic monk in the mountains of Greece somewhere with the Russian Orthodox people. Um, I, I, I love thinking about God and thinking about things that are, that are, you know, that, 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 that challenge my heart into, into discovering more of Him. There's, there, it, there's endless discovery in the Lord. There's an old uh, ascetic monk from India, Sadhu Sundar Singh. He says this about the love of God. The love of God is like a drop of the ocean water on the tip of your tongue. One drop is enough to let you experience that all of the waters of the, of the seas of the, of the earth is salty. But you never, you can never fathom all that it contains. So there's an, there's an area, there's like the, the nature of God and the love of God. You can experience the fullness of God in one drop, but then still be endlessly far away from discovering His fullness. You know, scriptures say that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Good night. <laughs> I can't eat two straight meals. I'm, <laughs> I had to put a pause on dinner. And there's so much for the Lord to, to discover in the Lord. And I feel one thing that I, I see in, in David's life that, that, that was consistent throughout, from the time we know him as a shepherd boy till he, till he was a king, was um, is the idea of, of meditating on God. Meditating on God in his life. He was a shepherd boy, not a theologian, not learned not well respected, not well known, when the prophet came to anoint the king of Israel from his house, the whole town was an uproar that Samuel the prophet came. What is he here for? Is he coming to judge us? No, he'll come and he's brought an offering, you know, because the king is still alive. And he said, Jesse, I'm like, God said to come and you know, anoint a king from your, from your house, one of your sons. If I was Jesse, I would have picked my, all my kids, their pets, their neighbors, their neighbors' dogs, everyone in, just, you know, pick somebody from here. We'll be happy. 
But he picked, you know, we know the story, he goes through all of his, all of his sons, and, then he said, and God keeps saying no, and no, and no, and no, and no. At the end, he says, do you have another one? Do you have any more? He says, yes, there's, there's yeah, another one. And in the Hebrew, the word is not the other one. It says, hakaton, which means ins- there's insignificant one. His own father, when the, when the prophet of the nation came to his house and told him, one of your sons, even in that, the, the greatest moment of his life in the history of Israel as a, as a, as a people following God, of choosing the king, like the pattern, what would be the pattern for Yeshua, the shadow of Yeshua. And he, he said, no, he's, in, he's insignificant. He's not even qualified to come. His own father, that would keep you in inner healing sessions for a while. <laughs> Just checking where everybody is. <laughs> but he comes, and God says, he's the one. Even the next picture after he, in front of his brothers, his dad, the next picture is him carrying lunch for his brothers. There's a lot to think about and what, what went on in the interaction. We just have glimpses, you know. Um, but what he had in those days, his, his account, the next account was, you know, carrying lunch to war and Goliath happens, you know. But in his, in his, his, his theology, is if I kept, if I have killed the bear and the, and the lion or whatever, who are you to challenge my God? He wasn't angry because he was challenging Israel or the nation. It wasn't a political thing. He had a quality and excellence of meditating on God that Goliath challenged. And it was this stirring. He, I, I picture him you know, under trees. And the only thing, he wasn't learning. He wasn't educated. He was not having feel. He wasn't, he wasn't reading the latest books on, on revival and moves of God and history and great men and women. Nothing. He just had thoughts about God. They didn't have the privilege of the scrolls or having a, a pocket scroll. He didn't have it. All he had was what he had heard, what he kind of knew, some of the story he had. And he built God in every arena of his mind, every landscape of his thoughts. He had a monument Erected for God, it was either God encountering David or it was David encountering God. There's a big difference. There are moments in our lives where God will come and encounter us, but the, for, I, I love those moments when you are talking about God, you're singing about God, that you're expressing, you are, are bringing something, and all of a sudden you you meet with God. Oh, this is great, God! I know it's awesome, and you're talking about somebody like. There's a big difference of when God meets us and us meet him, and he had both. Every, every, every story of David's own mind, every thought, he had built an altar of his visitations with God and God's visitations with him. Both in the good when he killed the lion and the bear and Goliath, and in the bad. We think of David as an amazing songwriter, and you know, many of us have been to songwriting classes and training and those kinds of things. He was a skilled songwriter. He never went to school for songwriting. He just thought about God all the time. And we love the poetic nature and we study it and we like cut it apart and this is how we wrote. Yes, he had skill in playing and expressing, but it came, he wasn't writing something cute. He was writing what, was, what we shared earlier when we began. What was going on in your life? 
That's what he was writing. He says, and in our culture we've missed this idea, Western culture, we've missed the idea of meditation. We've taken on the study of the word of God, which is important. We need it. We need to grow in the knowledge of God. But we've missed out on meditating and as worship leaders involved in this ethereal element of worship. You know, just like, it doesn't have a, you know, just music and sound and songs and thoughts and rhythms. And it's just all like airy space. You can move stuff. You cannot get a grid with patterns. You have to meditate. There's this book I've been reading since 2005. It's a thin book. I've only gotten 20 pages. It's called A Cloud of Unknowing, one of the oldest mystical writings. And in there it says, you know, we, 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 we come to God. In reaching God, you come to a cloud of unknowing. And behind us, we leave a cloud of forgetting. The things of our lives, we forget and we enter in. We want to discover God, right? The mystics, when they thought they want to come to a place of not knowing. And they are finding God. So this whole idea is a cloud of coming to a cloud of unknowing. We need to develop the idea of meditating. If you, if you, if you, if you, Hilarious. If you study David's life, if you meditate on his life, read his stories, we know all his stories. But one of the themes throughout is his meditations on the excellencies of the God of the universe. There's one Psalm, uh, Psalm 18, last a uh, couple of years ago, that God began to highlight to us. And, and uh, it starts with, I love you, O Lord, my God, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer. I never get to speak out of songs, so this is just, I'm loving it. I will call on the Lord who is worthy to be praised, the pains of death surrounding me, and on and on. The, the sorrows of Sheol, this is Psalm 18, 1 8. The sorrows of Sheol surrounded me, the snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. He was having a bad day, he was having a rough time. And he was not writing something, you know, 10 years down the road. He's writing in his weakness about God to God. As worshipers and worship leaders, we cannot have an, in, an inconsistent pursuit of God. Does that make sense? We cannot have seasonal pursuits of God. We cannot have circumstantial pursuits of God. We have to, through our lives and our lifestyle, display something of God that is consistent throughout. And David's writings were about the majesty of God and the frailty of his life and his pursuit of God. You know, in, in, this, in this chapter, it starts with that, you know, sorrows of Sheol surrounding me. They never surround me. And then verse 6, In my distress I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple, and my cry came before him even to his ears. So he's, he's writing about his circumstance, which is terrible. We don't know what exactly it was. And, and then he writes, you know, there, you know, he had men running from Saul and all those kinds of things. And he says, I prayed to God and my prayers came to his ears. We would have ended our poetry right there. Right? Mm-hmm. I love you, God. I worship you. And God, whatever, you know. And he heard my voice. Go back to the chorus. <laughs> <laughs> but David, this is where... Oh, yeah. Hold that thought. Help me with this, okay? <laughs> Help me to come back here. There are two in this in this book that I'm reading. I'm only on page twenty. I, uh, in our expression of God, 
all of our service in faith life, church, Bible study, worship gatherings, gatherings like this, serving, anything that we can think of in our faith life, expression to God, begins here and ends here. All of our outward expressions for the kingdom of God begins here, ends here. You don't carry over anything in, the, in, in eternity. You don't carry over anything. But our thoughts and our meditations begin here and go on in eternity. The meditations of God carry over with us where we're going. Because we are now, we don't think of, hey God, remember the time I, that worship meeting we had? No. What begins here in our glorious thoughts of God are going to continue because we're going to be face to face with those glorious thoughts. So the meditations of God are significantly weighty in in learning about God and and pursuing God like David did. A, a, A heart of devotion and a pursuit of God. And he had both. He had the skill and the knowledge and music and all those things. But he also had a devotion, honest devotion to the Lord. And, it was, and then God met him in all his circumstances. So he was consistent in his pursuit of God, whether things were good or things were bad. Right? And we know, we know the stories. And we need to have that consistency in our lives where we're not, we, don't, we don't fall off, we just lose our bearings when things go wrong. We need to begin to say, God, this is the worst season of my life. And enter into those moments of like getting to him. All this way. It's so funny to even say, right? God, it's the worst. <laughs> but not in complaint. As you're offering to the Lord. This is how he lived. Here it's, he writes. Sorrows of Sheol surrounded me. So he reaches this point where his, his, his prayers have come to the ears of God. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on to imagine and ponder and think and meditate in his mind, what is God doing right now as he's listening? He just heard my prayer. He just got my email. What is he doing? And he begins to write, then, when, when his prayer came to his ear, then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations of the hills also quaked and were shaken because he was angry. He was angry that I was being pounded by by demons of hell. You know, so he turns his, his near death, everything caving in on, on him to realizing that God is still in control and God is rising up on my behalf. It sounds arrogant. It's not. It's his unending. The, there's no limitations to our meditations of God, right? You can think about anything you want about it. And he does. Where does he get this theology from? It's nowhere else. The foundations of the hills also quake and were because he was angry. Verse 8, smoke went up from his nostrils, really? And devouring fire from his mouth, coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down with darkness under his feet. Sounds morbid. He rode upon the cherub and flew and flew on the winds of the wind. He made darkness his secret place. That doesn't sound like a theology. His canopy around him was dark waters. What? The thick clouds of the skies from the brightness before him. His thick clouds passed with hailstones and coals of fire. The Lord thundered from him. All of this is his meditations of God when he hears the prayers of his worst season of his life. Consistency when he just entered in. He brought his thoughts and had an encounter with the Lord. One of the things for us as worshipers and worship leaders and worship people is to have a consistent expression. We will go through good and bad, you know, high and low seasons of our lives, but the meditation 
of God needs to be excellent at all times. We cannot dictate God based on our life rhythms. But let that cloud of unknowing always be present for us to discover. I, I, I want to sit on this and, and on to Psalm 19. To the chief musician, a psalm of David. The heaven, it begins with this. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech and night unto night reveals knowledge. There's no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out. I mean, such amazing Amazing articulation of his thoughts. We need to have it in order to articulate. That's your own. Nobody wrote like that, you know, because he just continually pondered and thought about those. He begins with this amazing expression from his own heart to the Lord, about the Lord. In them he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. And rejoices like a strong man to run its race. My mind goes crazy. The imagery, it all comes from a childlike meditation of God. But this passage is not written because he was having a great day. It was not written because he was having a glorious encounter with God. He goes on to describe different things. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Verse 7, the testimony of the Lord and the statutes of God, the fear of the Lord. So he describes God in every way he knows. Then he talks about the law of God that they had and the, and the glory in it. And he says, and it comes to the, the, the core of what he's writing about. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Ah, why did he have to write that in there? <laughs> Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Shoot. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and I shall be innocent of great transgression. You need to think about this to let your mind wonder what on earth does he mean? Worship leaders. This is what he's writing about. He begins with the glorious nature of God and the, 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 the power of the word of God. And this is by this word. Do not let me continue in my sin. Ah. We're at 25 minutes now. And then he ends with this. And this is where I want to, this is where I want to begin. Uh, I wanted to begin here. This is where I want to end. He ends this passage with, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. This is his this is his only theology. This is the only thing he knew about and, and how to pursue God. This is what kept David consistently pursuing God. Words in my mouth, you know, there's every expression, especially when things are good. Right? When things are good, it's easy. Have testimony. Things are bad. Things are grinding hard. I can't share a testimony. I feel worthless. I feel. But it's not just for those two seasons. The meditations of God have to be rich in all seasons for our life. And He says equally that the words of my mouth, things that I can express, and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. I would encourage us have themes in your heart 
We cannot be worship leaders and people involved with worship, and our only affinity is music in that realm. We have to have, this passage says, begins with God, and the middle is the word of God. We have to think about God to a degree where you have fresh revelation alive in your heart. Not so you can preach somewhere or you can, oh, I have something cool to share. No. You are resident of the revelations of the majesty of God because you are meditating on it endlessly. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord, tonight. God, we ask you that you would stir our hearts in however, whatever form we're all made unique, just like the person next to you. You've made us in such a special way, God. You've made us after your image. And your word says, how numerous are your thoughts towards us. And I want to respond. We want to respond of, of having thoughts concerning you that are greater than the sands of the sea. Give us an undivided heart. Give us a consistent pursuit of you so we can be those that you find worshiping in spirit and in truth. The truth being what is real in our lives. Thank you, Lord. Keep us as creative beings from sin, secret sins, presumptuous sins. Keep us, God, in your ways. Protect us, guard us, lead us. Teach us your ways, and in all, above all, let the excellent meditations of God be so alive in my heart that there is fresh revelation concerning who you are in my life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. God, I bless every person here, every family that's represented here. God, I ask you for an unrelenting passion that that we feel that David walked in, God, and he experienced with you. In my bed, I remember you in the watches of the night. God, we want to be like this. We want to have encounters even into our sleep and our nighttime. God, encounter us tonight. Let us wake up with the theme of God that's rich. Thank you, Lord. So when we sing our songs, when we, when we worship you, there is, there is, there's a confidence that there's a well in us that you can drink from. There's a well in us that you can come and be satisfied and drink deeply from. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We love you tonight, God. I bless everyone here. I release creativity. I release freedom, God, in the arenas of influence, God, in, in the churches and in, in groups and in, in, in worship teams and church dynamic, God. I, I just unlock unusual creativity, God. Not to be flaky and just fleeting, but to be sincere in our pursuit. Not to have the new thing, but to really just run after you. Turn the lights off. Let's go for it. Thank you, Lord. I bless, God, everyone here. And may you cause uh, a stirring in your church and community. Because you love the Lord with all your heart. You are that, that, that unrelenting leader of many who will follow. And this is who David was, a, a crazy warrior who had the guts to go in and steal bread from the temple. 
because it wasn't, those things didn't limit him because his meditations were greater. Hallelujah. I bless you in Jesus' name. Be filled with all the fullness of God and more. And may every season of your life be consistent in your devotion and pursuit of God. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen, brother. Amen. Thanks for taking time out of your day to grow with the worship fertilizer. With each fertilizer, you'll grow in worship, in musicianship, in leadership, in relationship. It'll be just what you need to grow. Be a part of this podcast by submitting your questions and comments to podcast at adlibmusic.com. You can also learn about further coaching opportunities at adlibmusic.com.